Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Our panel today, as always, are our faithful few. I don't know where I was going. I kind of got in the middle of that and just tailed off. That all right, is Adam. the story of my life. What's up, guys? Adam Barnhart here. Um, I actually, this week, what I did, you can actually go to is Adam Barnhart on Twitter.com to see if I'm on Twitter or not that week. So like every time you like make it unactive, like there's some kind of app that knows. No, I thought about doing that, but uh, it's pretty, it's pretty basic right now. There's just one word, but it's not yes or no. That's the thing. I just looked at it. (laughs) Is it maybe? Because that seems like a very ineffective website. Everybody will have to go and look. Your I know, that's what I'm saying. Up, Click man. on all the ads there so I get all that AdSense revenue, please. Like the website, right. all the AdSense revenue we get from that. <laughs> and we've got Rhiannon. Hey guys, you can find me on the Twitter as at BrooklynMND. And I you, change. yeah, I mean, and then you I'm could... kind of upset about that. <laughs> but it's all good. You were hoping to squat on that shot. Oh, oh I was going to sell Adam. it for at least 50 bucks. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Nah, this would. <laughs> you know, man, if you can sell Shot of Patron for 50 bucks, I'll give All you right. 20 of it. That seems like a good deal. It's like a commission. It is a commission. It's not it just is. like. It actually is one. <laughs> I'm Caleb. You can find me on Twitter at Caleb A. Borchers. B-O-R-C-H-E-R-S. Uh, we want to encourage you to subscribe to us over at YouTube. That's watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, that's been coming along. We got a few more this week. I think uh, Mr. Media helped us out there get a few more YouTubers. So, uh, Also check out the second podcast in our Marvel News Desk family. That's called AP Marvel. And their week, their episode, their week this episode, their episode this week, I don't even, uh, I don't know what it's talking about. So uh, I'm sure it'll be great. I just didn't happen to see. Uh, all right. Uh, at the beginning of the show, we usually make some kind of small talk. I feel like it makes us endearing. And I was thinking since we are now, um, in the holidays, uh, getting towards Thanksgiving, I thought this month that we could start the show with something we're thankful for. So this week I wanted to say, I'm thankful for all our listeners. You guys are pretty cool. Uh, we like the support that we get. We appreciate the Patreon particularly, but we also support all, all the tweets that we get and all the listens and all that kind of stuff. And just this week on Slack, we were talking about how negative people can be on the internet and how thankful we are that our listeners are pretty cool people and that we don't have to deal with all that negativity. So I am very thankful for this. That Dude, we need time to prep for something like this. Oh, you don't have to say something else. You can just say that you also like our fans. <laughs> I'll get rid of that deafening silence that was I'm, in the original. Uh, uh, never mind. I was going to say something, but it would come across bad, so I won't say that. I was just going to say I'm thankful for the Patreons that, you know, give us 20 bucks or more a month. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we have talked. Our folk, I mean, people are pretty positive when they interact with us, and that is not true everywhere, as you're even discovering on your job. I mean, without throwing anyone under the bus, Adam, I think you're finding different fandoms oh, respond to differently. T- so you know what I'm thankful cool. for? People that act reasonable on the internet. That is what I'm thankful for. 
And that's, I mean, like, I, I agree with you, Caleb, and that, like, our fans and the Marvel fandom in general, because we wouldn't be doing this if, I mean, I would never have even, like, read a comic book if the fandom was like some of the other fandoms. So, thanks, guys. Yeah, there's been a time or two over the last couple of years that we've done this where, like, oh, this has a chance to turn into a real dumpster fire. And it hasn't, and you guys have been pretty cool, and we really appreciate that, because every once in a while we worry that we're going to put something out there that's going to attract nasty people. Oh, I thought this has been a dumpster fire since episode one. When did it become not a dumpster (laughs) fire? I wasn't talking about our content. I was talking about nasty comments about our content. Yeah, yeah, okay. Though, I mean, our goal, you know, like we were saying, our goal was always to get hate mail. Oh, we we also are thankful for self-deprecating humor on this show. (laughs) (laughs) But now I wonder how much of it makes the final cut, because I don't listen to the final cut. I don't listen either. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that, Rihanna. What did you say? Oh, you'll hear it when you're cutting. (laughs) (laughs) She says, stop cutting my damn jokes. Let's jump into our news. Uh... Eternals has a filming date. That hashtag show says that September of next year, 2019, is when that film is going to start spooling up, which should ex- definitely get it ready for the November 2020 um, release date that's on the Marvel calendar. Also, Adam alluded to this last week, but I hadn't seen it yet. There is a synopsis for the film. Uh, it says, The story of the Eternals is set millions of years ago, when the cosmic beings known as the Celestials genetically experimented on humans, creating the superpowered individuals as well as more villainous offshoots known as deviants. The two groups went on to battle each other throughout history to see which would eventually become the ultimate race. This story involves the love story between Icarus, a man fueled by cosmic energy, and Circe, who relishes moving amongst humans. Um, does that sound like an interesting uh, synopsis for you, Rhiannon? Does that get you even more excited about this movie we don't know much about? Sure, it's been out for a while though. That's I I don't know the love interest. the The thing that does bring this up, so it starts filming next year, and obviously it's a 2020 movie. I'm not. I mean, this might be the cosmic thing from here on out. You know, this might be the cosmic franchise. I think way back when Iger mentioned something. Um, that they had a, you know, kind of an Avengers-esque type franchise in the works. This very well could be it. You know, I mean, Guardians 3 is postponed indefinitely. Um, I, you know, I'd be very surprised if the whole cast was back for that movie anyways. Um, so this very well could be the primary thing moving forward. It's It's kind of a fresh slate, at least when it comes to outer space and cosmic things. Yeah, but are you sure this is even going to be cosmic? I mean, this synopsis says that it's experimentation on humans and then talks about kind of the ultimate race, I assume meaning the ultimate race on Earth. It's... I, I, what it is, it's it's the replacement for humans. I mean, this is what what it is. It's pretty much the exact same thing and you have... Icarus and Cersei and it's it's essentially going to be what in humans would be in the movie theater um and you know it it would take 
I mean, who would think that, like, an internals or humans would ever go on Earth, you know? Shouldn't that be all, like, a cosmic property anyway? So, I've only read half of the Inhuman stuff. Um, like, I'm through, like, 1980 or 1985 with the Inhumans. I, or, Inhumans. I read all the Inhuman stuff. The eternal stuff that I've been slowly making my way through. Uh, all of it's on Earth. Like, the whole hook of it is that... Um, Greek mythology, like ancient religions that like different pantheons of gods are all the Eternals that have been working around Earth. So um, I think with Neil Gaiman or later on and the stuff I haven't read yet, they go outer space and they connect with Thanos and all that kind of stuff. Um, If anything, it's more connected to Namor because the Deviants live in an underwater city under the ocean. So... Um, I, I'm really interested. I still need to read more eternal so that I know like the second half of their existence, but at least in their first two runs, this is sounding a bit different. Uh, the biggest thing is Icarus has a human love interest and Cersei and Icarus had no interest in each other whatsoever in the earliest Jack Kirby comic stuff. And so that is, I guess that's the thing with this property, right? You can screw with it any way you want to. And there's only like four fanboys somewhere in the middle of nowhere who are going to be upset that you've messed with their Eternals, right? Like, there's not going to be oh, any hashtag gonna... not my Eternals yeah. going on, so. Although there will be, and it'll just be those four people using it. But, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much, it comes back to the Guardians, you know? It's a completely unknown property. I mean, this is, I mean, it's the first unknown, not unknown, but the littlest property we've gotten since guardians you know um so they could do whatever they have and that's the one thing i mean no matter how small of a property it is or however small of a comic group or comic character it is there are fans somewhere that is the one thing i've learned there's fans of anything so um yeah, I, I mean, I don't really see the necessary. I mean, the need for to be super, super comic accurate with the Eternals, at least. It's not like it's Spider Man, you know. So we've started to see some speculation about when we'll see trailers. Uh, there's been some guesses that um, Disney will save the Avengers Four trailer for a Monday Night Football game on ESPN. Uh, there's also been some speculation that we'll get the Spider Man Far From Home trailer. Uh, pretty close to the Spider-Verse uh, movie so that it can be attached on front of that. Uh, these all sound very reasonable. Are you guys hopeful that these trailers are going to drop pretty soon? Let Okay, let, let's let the record reflect. The, the, per, the, the, the entity that reported the Monday Night Football game says, if it's not Monday Night Football, it might be on Tuesday or it might be on Thursday. So it is coming sometime during the week. So there's a the three and seven chance months. that they'll be right. <laughs> yeah. So sometime between now and the first weekend, May 2019, we will get the Avengers 4 trailer on a Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday. If you're not careful, Adam, they're just not going to do one at all just to tick you That's off. That's what, I mean, like... <laughs> that would be the best thing ever. Trailer. I would love that so much. That's what... Sorry, like, Raymond, we... go ahead. We don't even have a title for the movie. And people are talking about when the trailer is going to come out. I would I would not be surprised if we see nothing for Avengers 4 until Captain Marvel is in theaters. 
How much wow. hype do they need for this? When's Captain Marvel in theaters? Uh, March something. March 8th? International Woman's Day. Yeah, March oh, 8th right. or 9th yeah, yeah. or 2nd. Um, I mean, that gives them, what, seven weeks? Six, seven weeks to hype it? Okay, maybe we get something before. I love how you make a hot take and you just like, you're tenacious. You will not let it go. <laughs> In my head, I keep thinking that Captain Marvel is January. It must be like Black Panther was January. No, it was still February. Oh, it was February. In my head, Captain Marvel is January. Well, it makes sense. You you probably have in your head that it's a month different than Black Panther. And then you're just hopefully moving it up instead of moving it back. You know how crazy this year has been? Black Panther, or this year, Black Panther came out this year. I know, and it was like February. It wasn't even like January, evidently. And it feels like it was like three or four years ago. It totally does. Um, so, okay, maybe... I, I, but, but why are they holding it? Why are they being so secretive? Why don't we have a name of the movie? Why don't we have anything? If they're not going to, like, seriously hold out major stuff. I don't think... I mean, I don't think they're being secret. I, I just don't think they need it. That's why I'm saying they could... I mean, they could, not even release a trailer for it, and they would still make more money than Infinity War in the theater. Yeah, they could wait until the Super Bowl. Why not? I have a very boring practical reason, and it's because they don't want to make the Sony mistake of releasing spoilers via Dr. Pepper cans. Right? Like, at some point, there's going to be a Doritos bag that has the title of this movie on it. Or there's going to be, like a cardboard cutout for marshmallows that's going to have the title on it. And that is going to be the way that leaks. And that kind of sucks. Like you don't want the title of your movie to leak on a marshmallow bag, you know, like, and so that's why you reveal it in the trailer in November before all that merch stuff starts coming out in some like grocery store attendant and like, you know, a random like, uh, gas station and like El Paso is the guy who first reveals to the world the title of this movie. Okay, then it's going to be a teaser and it's going to be something very small. Maybe a pile of dust. Yeah, I could see that. I think it would be really interesting if they just like it was just a long slow pan like on Thanos' farm up to him and just shows his stupid smiling grape face again and then the name of the movie and that's it. You know, like, I could see them totally doing it. Uh, Cloak and Dagger is uh, now officially filming. Uh, they did a uh, kind of PSA to encourage people to vote last week. And uh, we got to see kind of first test footage. There was Tandy and there was um, Tyrone and there was um, Mayhem Evil Lady, whatever her name was, uh, detective from uh, New York. Uh that suggests that we're probably getting it pretty soon. It also said spring, uh, 2019 up in the corner. And it seems like this show is moving full speed ahead. So given all the excitement about the Disney streaming TV shows that we have coming up, is it starting to hurt your excitement at all about some of these older shows that are on different networks that aren't as connected and aren't Feige done? Or are you still able to get excited about say runaways or cloak and dagger when we get news about it? I am more excited for Cloak and Dagger season two than I am for a Loki show. What? Like the the properties they've announced. I mean, Vision and Scarlet Witch. Yeah, but like, uh, 
I've never clicked with Loki. I've never clicked with Falcon or Winter Soldier. So, I mean, I love Cloak and Dagger. So I think the reason why I love Cloak and Dagger so much is because I went into it with really, really low expectations, I guess. And they came in above those expectations. It kind of came out, you know. It was in a little bit of a drought. So it's like... And then they kept pushing it. They didn't keep pushing it off, but they almost delayed it of sorts. Which is like, ah, what's this scenario? And then it came out and it was good. I don't... I mean, yeah, I know Loki's probably big on Tumblr, Rhiannon. But I... (laughs) I I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for Cloak and Dagger Season 2. It's... I mean, Pukowski, that dude's the man. He's such... That's why we need people that read comics to to do these shows. You know, he has crazy, crazy Easter eggs. Like, Z-list characters. Like, who is that? Mr. Is it Mr. Jip? Yeah, that's right. Is that right. the character? It's just like, stuff like that. Things that have no reason being in that stuff, and they are. It's just cool. I mean, it's it's cool. You know? That is why I am more excited for Cloak and Dagger Season 2 over Loki. I mean, I don't know. Loki's not that. I don't know, guys. I don't know. But, you know, I'm Mr. Iron Fist, so, I mean, it's not like anyone t- like listens to my opinion anyways. So. I was about to say, please send all of your hate mail to Adam Barnhart. Go ahead. The Go Loki ahead. hater. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's true. Talk about any, a fandom uh, that could get angry. I bet the Loki Seriously. <laughs> That's going to be bad. I already know that's bad. I mean, I don't know. Hashtag not my podcast. Go ahead. Uh. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's just like, I mean, Loki fans to me, uh, I don't know. Every time I see someone tweeting a, a picture of Loki or posting a picture of Loki, it's they also tweet about, like, Charmed and Shadowhunters and this legacy show. And the originals and Supernatural. It's just, I, I don't know. We're two different demographics. I'm not in that demographic. And I think I maybe just pissed Rhiannon off because I'm pretty sure she listens to some of those shows. But <laughs> I am not in that demographic. Nothing against, I've heard the Charm reboot's awesome and stuff. But it's just, it's just not my demo. And Lo, I mean, I don't want to call Loki one dimensional, but he's, you kind of know what you're getting with him. You kind of know what you're getting with him in the sense that you don't know what you're getting with him. You know? Does that make sense? Caleb, you've been scrambling to come up with a question for this. You really seem to have triggered Adam. <laughs> oh, I'm not triggered. I'm just saying, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Loki's all right. I'll, I'll watch it. I mean, if you want to trigger me, let's bring up that Iron Fist costume. That'll I, we're, trigger oh, me. We're getting there. Oh, um, I just... <laughs> I just love that I tried to come up with a question to generate conversation, and I, boom, hit one that... I, I mean, know. I'm, I'm pretty good at this job, I feel you're, like. So. You're really good at this. It's like you've done almost 100 episodes of a podcast. See, and that's the thing. You guys don't know if I was being um, <laughs> being myself or just making uh, stupid up for content. I guess we'll I never know. I do know that you do like Cloak & Dagger a lot, and it's a I good show. I do like Cloak so. & Dagger a lot. It is. It, it's it, it, it. I think it exceeded all our expectations, right? I know my expectations are super low. Definitely. 
It exceeded all our expectations. Uh, but I, I had a hard time getting excited for this first for the first season, and I'm having a hard time getting excited for the second one. But I know when it comes, it'll be quality. So if they really want to pump up my interest. All I need is a couple of well-placed social media posts that show the Runaways cast hanging out with the Cloak and Dagger cast over the next couple of weeks. And the possibility that we're going to get a crossover between those shows would be enough to super super pump me up. Um, Because, you know, Jeff Loeb has now several times told outlets, including our own, that, you know, that that would be a crossover that would make sense. He kind of... his. His standard answer is like, well, they don't care about what Matt Murdock is doing in New York, but I bet they care about what's going on with some teenagers like them in New Orleans. And we're like, oh, okay, Jeff, that'd be great. Let's see it happen. And um, I think that would be very cool. And that would get me very excited if we see uh, if all of a sudden like Allegra Acosta or Greg Sulkin is spotted, you know, in New Orleans for filming. So that was an awful Jeff Loeb impression. I wasn't really, yeah, I wasn't trying to, uh, uh Mr. To go for Twitter it. It Keeper. What came out. So, what, yeah. what are we calling that character? Uh, Roundtable. Yeah, Media Roundtable Jeff Loeb. All right. Uh, here's another story that I feel like is important enough to talk about, except for I don't know what to ask to make it interesting. Uh, that hashtag show has reported that David Callum or Callaham, I don't know how to pronounce his name, the guy who wrote Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, has been signed up by Marvel to write a script. Um, does that spark your guys' interest at all? Do you have any thoughts? Do you know his work well enough to know what he'd do? Um, I think the big story here is that they are cranking up the machine to keep on moving. Like, I think we get this... I know this is not true, but sometimes I feel like because we don't have the movies after Far From Home, it feels like like the MCU is going to fall off the edge of a cliff and disappear. And it really makes me happy every time I hear them hiring somebody else for something else afterwards to know that there are plans in place, even if I don't know them. Well, and this could be a TV show. I mean, with the way they're doing these limited series, they could be bringing in the movie writers and stuff to do stuff like that. I mean, there's no, was there, I mean, was there specific, was there anything specific about this? No, I, they movie? didn't even hint. They just said he was working with Marvel Studios, right? So this could be the TV show stuff. He could be doing the Loki stuff. <laughs> but, I mean, so let's... I mean, the fact of the matter is this is something that could never, ever see the screen ever, right? Because, I mean, this isn't the first thing Marvel would... Doesn't Nicole Perlman have a couple of scripts? And wasn't there a runaway script? And this might have been before the MCU, but I think Raven Metzner wrote a Deathlock script. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, the one thing I am for sure on is you, uh, Caleb, you mentioned his resume and what he could write in the Marvel Universe. Um, I have no idea because I don't think as of recent, I mean, John Watts is probably the last kind of person to get somewhat similar of roles in his properties. But, I mean, this Chloe Zhao, or the Eternals director, I mean, her only feature film before was like a cowboy movie. So unless they're putting, you know, giving Icarus a horse or something, you know, Taika was completely different from Thor Ragnarok. 
and James Gunn was Scooby Doo. You know, so I have no idea what this guy could be writing. Yeah, I think it's safe to say Kevin Feige has a whole library of scripts that he read and was like, no, I don't think so. And so it could be that he hands, I mean, it's sitting right next to the John Ridley, um, ABC Marvel pilot pitch, right? Like it's, it's right there on the shelf next to that. Now that, that you bring up a good point. We should, uh, let's talk about that. How all of these ABC shows, what are the odds that they are happening with these new Marvel streaming shows coming up? Cause we haven't talked about that yet. Have we? I mean, we have Ridley and we have, Jessica Jones 2.0 and we have New Warriors and we have something else and the untitled female show which maybe yeah. is the Jessica Jones one and maybe isn't the Jessica Jones one it is, uh, I don't know speaking of things that'll probably never see the light of day Iron Fist was supposed to have a really cool costume in <laughs> season 3 I was gonna kind of ease into it in a nicer way, Adam, and then you teased three ended about Loki, and I felt like it was only fair. <laughs> I didn't tease her about Loki. I teased her about the the Loki demographic, and Rihanna just so happens to be part of part it, of which it. I found out after <laughs> I said it. So I mean, it I'm, is what I'm it really is, not, you know? but yeah. Yeah, Rihanna, I, I mean, want him to feel guilty. Don't 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 let I know, him off the I know, hook. I know. Oh, no, I'm borderline psychopathic. I'll never feel guilty. Dude, I already got attacked by Shadowhunters fans this week. Did you really? Oh, yeah, you did. I saw that. <laughs> yes, you did. Like all the stuff we've said in this podcast that could trigger hate mail, I get tweets like immediately, just like boom, I unfollowed somebody. I'm so sad about it because I said something moderately not good about Shadowhunters. It wasn't even... Which I've never watched. I don't have any really feelings on. Sorry. It wasn't even I opened like... the show with how thankful we are about the tenor of our fans. <laughs> and we're not participating in that, you know, goodwill whatsoever. Sorry, guys. Okay. But, I mean, it, I mean, they launched a campaign around the death of, like, one of my favorite media personalities. So but I, yeah. that's kind of my beef with it all. But you were, you were, yeah, you, you put out negative energy and then Iron Fist got canceled. So I think there is a direct correlation there. I actually quit Twitter and Iron Fist got canceled. And that's, that's the only reason I'm still on Twitter at this point. Thank I mean, you. just cause it, once I leave Daredevil's canceled and then I'm not sure, you know, I, I'm doing it for you, Rhiannon. So whatever. Thanks, man. Thanks. So bringing will, it back to something, bringing it back to resembling are what you, we're supposed to talk you, about. Yeah, but I'm, um, I'm trying to pass the conversation around because I don't want to talk about it because I'm going to swear. Okay, <laughs> Rhiannon, I, I think it's fair to say, even for those of us who don't have Adam's investment, basically the news, which I've not got to, apparently, um, Danny Rand. Uh, Finn Jones has suggested that he saw the costume that they were moving towards for season three. And it was going to be like the green, almost like army camo colored um, long sleeve Iron Fist costume with the iron uh, with the dragon on the chest. Um, some utility built belts kind of around the waist with holsters for the gun. The Orson Randall Immortal Iron Fist costume. Um, I think even for those of us that don't love it as much as Adam it's a real disappointment not to get to like, I saw that and it felt like a punch to the gut that now I don't get that. Yeah. I mean the whole, I mean, I, I, Iron Fist is a punch to the gut because 
Raven did such a great job with the show and set it up in such a cool place. Like, the outfit he's wearing, whatever. I mean, I, yes, that's exciting. I don't think we would have gotten the dragon tattoo on the front of a shirt, but who knows? Maybe Danny would go there. Um, maybe they would work it in, like, a way of, like, Ward talks them into it. Like, you know, they just do it. They make it up. It's a marketing ploy or something. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, all of the thoughts of what could have been are really sad. And, but I hope, I mean, I hope maybe some more of that leaks out. Like, I think Raven had some really cool oh. plans. And I hope no. he shares them. I mean, I, I don't know. I had no. a show this week that was, like, canceled. No. That's completely unrelated to Marvel. And, like, the showrunner was like, hey, here's, like, three pages of the script that I, you know, wrote for season three. Um... So you don't want that, Adam? You don't want to know anything? No, I don't want that because I know the first damn script he releases, like, there's going to be Shao Lao in it. So, no, I don't want to see that. Of course I don't want to see it because I know damn well. Oh, yeah, I don't want to see it. I mean, maybe. It would have looked, I mean, it would have looked cool on screen. I mean, they wouldn't have even needed the yellow mask to do the Orson Randall look and it still would have looked dope as hell. Um, I'm just amazed that we didn't consider this. Like we talk so much about the costume and like, could they do the collar or the collar work? And like, does he want to look like the green and yellow one? And then we talked about the track suit looking at that Orson Randall suit. I'm like, Oh, this is the obvious way that they could do a comic accurate costume in a way that would work in this universe. Like I'm shocked. We hadn't thought of it before. Yeah. They're not going to do the plunging V neck for sure. You know, um, it was dope. I mean, it'd be super cool to... I would agree with you. It would be cool to sit down with Raven and see, you know, kind of where his his thoughts were. Because obviously, I'm surprised one, Finn saw this, so at least they were thinking of season three. And I'm not sure if that just meant, like, key art or if that meant actual concept art or what I they mean, had dude, going on. All we know is that Raven has that comic panel saved on his phone. And when they were doing press tour, like, the two seconds of press tour that they did, did they even do a press tour for Iron Fist? But anyways, while they were doing it, you know, Raven at some point was like, hey, I think we can throw this in next season. And, I mean, we don't know how formal it was. I want to jump off that, Rihanna, when you said, did they even do a press tour? Um, There's been some interesting conspiracy theories going around, and I've now seen a couple articles written about it. That suggests that Netflix is trying to kill Daredevil. So this was like on the um, the tail end of some of these reports about how big the viewership was down week one versus week one of season two and all the phony baloney math and stats that aren't actually stats that are running around. And basically what a lot of people are reporting on social media is that when they went to go watch Daredevil on Netflix... They couldn't even find it like they were having trouble. It wasn't popping up in their menus like they thought it would. And apparently Netflix sends out a weekly email to people. I, I don't get it, but they apparently do. And like Daredevil season three wasn't featured in the weekly email. Um, did you experience any of these things? And how credible do you think it is that this is something that happened? All right. Well, I've been following all of this very closely. One, I do get like the little Netflix pop-ups, like my phone. I get a pop-up, you know, this show is starting this week. You should watch it. I don't remember getting one for Daredevil, but I 
didn't need one for Daredevil? Like, are they still going to give me the pop-up if I was watching it at 3 a.m.? Um, I don't know if I, get, if I get the newsletter, go straight to my spam. I haven't read it. But for every article, I mean, yeah, like, I wonder how all of that works. Like, I've wondered about, like, the marketing and everything. And as far as Netflix... Because they didn't do anywhere near... I mean, even with Daredevil, they didn't do anywhere near the amount of marketing that they that they did on previous... On everything pre-Defenders. Um, they didn't do subway billboards. They didn't... You know, I was excited about being in New York, seeing all of the stuff that I've seen in Twitter and just pictures and stuff before. They did, like, the, the big electronic billboards, but only at New York Comic Con. The ones that were in New York were in the vicinity of New York Comic Con. Um, so I would buy that maybe Netflix knows this isn't a series. I, I don't know. And I also wonder if, um, like, maybe if Marvel is responsible for some of the, you know, if we don't know exactly what the deal is. I've wondered if Marvel was responsible for some of the advertisement. Therefore, they just didn't do any because they want the character back. And, like, maybe they have a fear that, like, Daredevil will be super successful and Netflix will pay anything to keep it there. Um, because maybe they want the characters back because they have their own plans. Um, which would seem silly because, like, they can still do whatever they want with them right now. But for every article about how the viewership is down and all of that, there's some other metric that shows that it's super high. There's this one thing that judges impressions of a show, and it says that, like, Daredevil was, was the most popular streaming show of the Halloween season, like, that week of Halloween. Um, there's several other things. I don't know. I, it's kind of like watching election results come in. I can't do it. I just want the final news. So, Caleb, let me ask you this, Caleb. Why do you think this is kind of like fake news? Why do you think these numbers aren't true? I mean, if you think the bad stuff isn't real, you can't think the good stuff's real, right? I mean, I guess what? Why, why are you so against the thought of these research firms not having access to some sort of data to make these conclusions from so first of all it's just it's not netflix data which there's a reason netflix doesn't share information like tv networks do and it's because they want it to stay proprietary so the idea that somehow like some little tech firm is getting around that i find unlikely um more importantly like one of them i looked up i forget i tweeted about it the one that said it was a 57 percent drop I went online, I tried to find their methodology, and they don't ever list it, which to me is a red flag. Like, why don't you share how you're doing this? But when I finally did find something on their website, they're like, we have a hundred million people who give us information about what they're watching in a weekly survey. But then the data specifically said it was for U.S. viewership. Um... There's only 300, 350 million people in this entire country, and about 70 to 100 million of them are under 18. So this company claims that one out of every two adults, or like one every two and a half adults in America, gives them survey data? 
Like, it's just, it's baloney. Like, that's not true. This little company I've never heard of has 50% of the American adult population giving them data. Like, I don't believe that at all. So I guess I would take this stuff more seriously if someone would share, you know, like when you see a survey, um, like a political survey, at the end of it, they have to say, this was our sample size. This is how we contacted them. This is the plus or minus error on it. I just would like to see some of that to believe that any of these numbers are true. Also, that 57% drop paid no attention to the fact that people don't binge like they used to. If you told me that Daredevil viewers watched 57% as many episodes of season three in the first week as they did of season two in the first week, I totally believe that because most people are starting to slow down on the binge. Um, you know, I don't watch those shows as fast as I used to. Some people like Rhiannon still wake at 3 a.m. But like the the whole way that people are consuming these shows is is changing. And so, yeah, I totally believe that. I'd like to see those numbers after a month instead of just after a week because all the week measures is binge watchers. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I my mindset is that all these shows are done regardless if the numbers are are real or fake or not accurate or whatever you want to call it. You know, I think Rihanna did it kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, I don't even think it's Marvel TV making the decision, you know, if um, they want the characters back, you know, and they have every right to, and that's the thing. I'm not, I have no idea how these deals work, but there's got to be some sort of, obviously with the Netflix case, I mean, Netflix orders 13 episodes and then Marvel TV pretty much, uh, you know, takes it from there and does all the writing and stuff. And now Netflix is starting to get into more and more uh, programming and stuff in-house. You know, I know they're hiring. I followed a couple of Blacklist writers that have since just been hired by Netflix just to write movies for Netflix. You know, and when this this deal was first signed, it was kind of before Netflix started pumping all this stuff out. You know, they've since signed deals with like Mark Miller. Uh, you know, they have Stranger Things. They have all sorts of these universes that they're bringing back. I mean, they got Lucifer from Fox or wherever Lucifer was airing. You know, I Netflix doesn't need these shows anymore. You know, they, they're, I don't think it's, it's uh, what do you want to call it, superhero fatigue? I just don't think they need these superheroes. Michael B. Jordan's doing a superhero property for Netflix, I believe. Um so it's it's kind of a, a perfect storm of sorts, you know. I'm I I would guess since Netflix doesn't need them, and since Marvel's probably asking for bigger budgets and such, you know, Netflix is is just gonna pass. And I mean, like I said before, I, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if Jessica Jones three is the last uh, season on on Netflix. And then that that's the other part to it, you know. It, it'll be super interesting. I would guess. Netflix re- Netflix retains ownership uh, of the seasons that are on there, you know. Um, but I'm not sure. Can they have ownership of ideas and stuff? Certainly they can't have ownership over, like, the writer's room and such. I mean, if they wanted to, if Disney streaming, if Mouseflix wanted to hire Eric Olsen and write technically season four of Daredevil, but it would be season one on streaming, you know, Netflix couldn't go after them and saying you can't do that script right or that storyline 
Or how does that work? I have no idea how it'll work, I guess. So, I mean, there's a, we have no idea what the agreements are. But it's possible. If I was Netflix, I would have made some plans for this that, you know, these characters can't be in this carnation on any other service. But I don't, if I was Marvel, I would say no to that. So who knows what the attorneys worked out in this regard. Um, whatever it is, there's some sort of ownership of this version of Daredevil. That in the very beginning where it says created by Drew Goddard. You know, the, for, uh, every season, no matter who writes um, Jessica Jones, it would say created by Melissa Rosenberg. Because we know if there's a fourth season, it wouldn't be Melissa Rosenberg. Um, every season of Iron Fist will say created by, you know, whoever created that first season. Um, and that means there's a special incarnation brought to life that that very first writer did, and they always get that created by credit on it. So there's a legal definition of that. So they couldn't just go do an Iron Fist series and have Eric Olson, and it happens to also star, you know, uh, uh, Finn, and it also happens to have, you know, there's, there's some things that there are ownership in that. So, um, it can't coincidentally just be just like it. It would be at a certain point, there are certain things that would make it Scott Buck's Iron Fist. See, I think my guess, the better way to do this, if I'm Netflix is I just, I just sell out those old shows. You've got a lame duck series. That's not going to be continuing if this information is right, Netflix isn't pushing this stuff anyway. If Disney is willing to pay out for those episodes, it takes money out of their pocket that they can't create their own original content to compete against me. And it puts money in my pocket that I can create new original content. So yeah, if I'm Netflix, I totally just sell those episodes. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll lose them. We'll, we'll, we'll get rid of them. You can have them back. And that would be interesting. Cause it would be the first Netflix original to leave Netflix. I mean, that's a whole new world. So let, let me pose this question. Do either of you s subscribe to Netflix solely for the Marvel shows? How many of their subscribers at this day and age actually subscribe solely for Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, so on and so forth? I've been thinking about this because if they cancel, cancel Daredevil, I'm going to be really mad. And I would like to cancel my subscription right then, even if I renewed it like two months later. But at this point, I have the subscription. My mom's logged into it. She's sitting at home binging and occasionally she logs in at school. She's a teacher and, you know, shows like there's more than just me using my account. But I mean, you, there's still other content on there you watch, right? Or do you just watch... But, you know, I'm really behind on Hulu and Amazon Prime. And, I mean, I'm, I'm about to get my Stars membership so I can watch Outlander. Like, you know, I need to cut a streaming service right now. I'd say Marvel's 70% of my interest. And another 25% Really? My, yeah. And another 25% is my kids. Um, But if Disney streaming comes on and my kids' interests are filled by Disney streaming, yeah. I, and the only thing I anymore, the only thing I really care about is Stranger Things. That's the only other thing I watch significantly on. Netflix. 
Really? I'm done with making a murderer, I think, too. One more shot of sad grandma at her stinking kitchen oh, table. Don't. I can't take I it know. anymore. Dude, Dolores is heartbreaking, man. That's the... That's... That's... Yeah, she's heartbreaking for like seven freaking hours of that show. Like, how many sad shots of Dolores do I need? I know. Um, I do think it's I interesting know. on this topic that um, Michael T. Ford mentions that he got a pop-up for Iron Fist, but not for Daredevil. And he said on the first night that he went to find it, he had a hard time finding it on the service. Uh, I did find on the first watch through, but then I went to rewatch some episodes the other night with my wife. It took me five minutes to find Daredevil. Like, usually they're like, do you want to watch this again? Do you want to watch this again? Like, they, like, send the same show at me over and over and over again. The other day I had to literally search by the word Daredevil to find it. So, something's weird is going on. I don't think this many people are commenting on it out of nowhere. I don't even know how Iron Fist was. I, I watched the screeners and then I pulled up, like, the last couple of episodes, like, last week or something, and it was... It was long gone by then. Same with Daredevil. Um, they're doing this the teaser thing, which is eventually going to turn into ads. And then they they keep like Adam Sandler's always like my recommended thing, and I don't even watch stand up. And then I don't watch horror movies, but I always get the uh, Haunting on the Hill or whatever it is, which they say is fantastic. But it's definitely not an algorithm because I don't watch the stuff that they're recommending or showing me, I guess. All right. Um, our news has gone a bit long, but that's okay. I did have a couple more things here um, to talk about. I guess I'll do the thing where I just uh, say the rest of the news, and if you guys find any of this interesting, we'll talk about it. Uh, we have official title for the PG-13 Deadpool movie. It's going to be called Once Upon a Deadpool. It will have a very limited run. It'll only stay in theaters until Christmas Day. Um, and a lot of the proceeds of it are going to go to charity, which Ryan Reynolds says is one of the only reasons why he agreed to a PG-13 version. Uh, Venom, uh, there was uh, Jeff Bach from Exhibitor Relations, a box office analyst, uh, suggests that the success of Venom could mean that Spider-Man might get pulled back out of the MCU because Sony is getting confident about their ability to make good movies again. And uh, we got the official okay from European regulators for the Marvel Fox deal. To my knowledge, the only major one they have left to get over is the Chinese approval, which I heard was supposed to happen mid-October, but I have still seen no reporting on. So do you guys have any thoughts about Once Upon a Deadpool or Sony's newfound confidence or uh, uh, the European regulators? Uh, Fred Savage is in the movie, man. That was the other big part of it, that the the new scenes they filmed were with uh, the uh, Princess Bride type stuff, so I'm I'm excited for that. Should be, it's definitely, it's got to be a test or something. They say it's for charity, but I'm a conspiracy theorist when it comes to that. There's There's got to be something else in the works, you know? I mean, I almost want to go to theaters to see it just for the Princess Bride reference. Yes. And I may not be a Loki fangirl, but the Princess Bride, man. I mean, what uh, what other actor takes so much ownership of the character? I mean, at this point, there's no way you can have Deadpool without Ryan Reynolds. We're talking about a world where you could have Daredevil without Charlie Cox. Yeah, but he's not he's not a producer, and he's not 
Uh, Dude, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I mean, he's married to a producer. So. Okay, but I, you know what I mean. He's like, I mean, Ryan's very, very. He treats it more than a job. You know, I mean, it seems like his passion. The only other one I think would be close is my guess is at this point Robert Downey Jr. has quite a bit of say over what they do with Iron Man. You know, like uh, I think that if they did something he didn't like that Disney would listen to RDJ if he said, no, we can't do that. So and Paul Rudd was credited with writing Ant-Man and the Wasp, right? Yes, I believe so. Uh, the other piece of news there that scares the daylights out of me is the idea that Sony is so confident that they could pull Spider-Man <laughs> back out. I mean, again, I know a person that likes Venom and doesn't like us being negative. Sony has no reason to be this confident. You know, like, please just wait till Morbius comes out and everyone hates it. If if that's a if that's a hit, maybe you, you can start to feel confident. But Venom was so panned and it generally was mixed by people who watched it. I mean, people thought it was fun, but it wasn't the kind of I think Venom is possibly running into a real big dip with the sequel where people go, oh, that last one was all right. But I don't know. I don't want to see this one like. I think Sony should be real careful before they start saying no to the Kevin Feige gravy train, particularly since Venom still hasn't made more money than Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is the worst of their movies. Well, they're not in the they're not in the business of making good movies, though. Are any of these huge blockbuster studios in the business of making good movies or are they in the business of making movies that make money? Right. But profound adam well i'm just saying i mean no i like marvel studios just happens to have their head on straight and they happen to be good movies you know i mean ant-man well like ant-man and wasp wasn't really a super good movie you know i mean venom venom hauled in some serious cash enough to warrant a sequel right regardless of the quality let's talk about that because spider-man homecoming happened because Sony put out Spider-Man, Spider-Man and put made a bunch of money. And then they put out Spider-Man 2 and they made less money. And then they put out Spider-Man 3 and they made less money. And then they put out Amazing Spider-Man and they made less money. And then they made Amazing Spider-Man 2 and they made less money. Well, guess what? Venom has made less money than that. Now, in the end, I think it'll outperform Amazing Spider-Man once China kicks in. So I don't want to overmake that point. But Sony has yet, as of today, to make a Spider-Man movie that made more money than the previous one, except for Spider-Man Homecoming, which made significantly more money than the previous ones. And if Far From Home comes in at $1.1 billion, which I think it has a good chance to do, Sony cannot be so stupid as to think that this is that they're capable of this. You're not. And all this talk about Venom, Venom still made less money than Ant-Man and the Wasp. Venom has still made less money than Logan. So, I, I mean, I'm sure they made it cheap enough that they're making a profit, but it's not like they're setting the box office world on fire. I think the Venom thing is way overblown financially. You're the box office guy, so I'll take your word for it. Let me pose this situation. What happens if I, I know he's supposedly doing a DC movie. Now, what happens if Sony gets a guy like James Gunn in there to kind of be the, the Feige-esque of Sony? That'd be dope, right? 
I don't know if I want a James Gunn Spider-Man movie. I, I, I don't think... Well, not Spider-Man, but like Venom and Morbius. And that's right up Gunn's wheelhouse. I'd be into a gun Venom. You guys just have more faith than I do. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, t- I guess maybe Venom. Poss- I mean, Agent Venom, sure. That would be kind of fun. And just to clarify, my comments on the Spider-Man movies, it is it is domestic, not international. The international has gone up as they've opened up to more markets and more markets are watching movies as international has generally gone up. But still, to this day, every movie that Sony has made with Spider-Man has made successively less than the last in the United States of America. So, all right, are we ready? Let's do our main conversation. Um... So this was kind of a weird one. Uh, we're trying to figure out uh, different things to talk about here as we wrap up the year. And um, if you have not noticed, this year a big book has come this year, this week, a uh, big 10-year uh, anniversary book for Marvel has come out. It's Marvel Studios. Uh, a lot of clicky, baity websites have been furiously uh, scre- uh, screenshotting and scanning in the pages of that book and putting them up as articles, which I find a very interesting uh, idea. You're welcome, Caleb. You, have you, you guys haven't, I haven't seen it on your site. Have you been doing it? Yeah, a little bit. A little you, don't, bit. you don't even read our site. Every time you post a link, it's from the uh, competitor, the competition. I actually have a thought on that, but we'll talk about it not on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Okay, I won't say my next comment. <laughs> but anyways, um, but this book has come out, and people have been generally just lavishing praise on Feige. He's won a bunch of awards lately. So we thought we would take a little different spin on it, just for fun. Um, Kevin Feige is not, in fact, infallible, as much as it seems like he may be. And so we thought we'd ask the question today, what has he got wrong? Not because we love being negative. He's done so much so right. We are very thankful for Kevin Feige. But I thought it would be an interesting thought experiment. Uh, what has Kevin Feige done where he maybe made a misstep or where things did not go the way uh, they should have? And so that was a question I posed to you guys. I know I have a thought or two. Uh, do you guys have anything that you have thought of in your pre-show thoughts? about something that maybe Mr. Feige didn't do right? Um, bleaching Thor's eyebrows in Thor 1. He didn't do that right. Or what, I guess, yeah. That that was the amount. I mean, that whole Amy Pascal Spider-Man press tour was Feige making bad decisions by being there. Like, is that in the contract for Spider-Man? Like... Yes, Feige, you get to make a Spider-Man movie, but you have to sit beside Amy Pascal for interviews. Why did he come out and clarify anything with that? You know, he provided us with, you know, arguably one of the best reaction, you know, gifts of all time. But I get how secret he is and the secrecy behind it. But him, that's kind of... uh, silent speaks volume situation you know she's over here saying that you know it's mcu adjacent and things like that and then you have the universe talk but it's not the marvel cinematic universe i mean did she throw a sandwich at him wouldn't you want to i mean if i was kevin i'd be like listen i'm going to entertainment weekly and let's you know venom's not in the mcu you know why can't he say that 
Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, like, in general, I feel like people are going into interviews not knowing what they can say. Like, I feel like Marvel's gone so secretive that they give them so little they can say the people start trying to make up what they can say and like the fact that Amy Pascal would be in that same situation just yeah this was on my list this was not planned super well at all and I think part of what's going on here is I think Feige is still over a barrel a little bit with Sony he wants Spider-Man in his universe very badly he knows it's good for his movies to have Spidey and so he just has to put up with a lot of stupidity and incompetence to make it happen. You know, like, it seems like, this is totally my assumptions from what I'm reading from a distance, I think Pascal has a fragile enough ego that Feige cannot reprimand her in a public interview. He can't turn around and be like, Amy, that's not true. We didn't talk about that. And, you know, like, he wants to keep a good relationship with her, and they've known each other for a long time. That's true. And so he has to play nice, which means he has to play games about MCU adjacent. And as long as they don't do anything in the movies that's not okay or that screws with his continuity, he can put up with it. Uh, When I first saw all this stuff, I thought Venom was legitimately going to have a Spider-Man connection. I was expecting some kind of goo to come back from Infinity War on a spaceship I was expecting Tom Holland and the Daily Bugle to somehow show up in Venom. And after seeing Venom and how not at all related it is to the Tom Holland universe, it made me realize that like Feige was just BSing his way through those interviews so that Sony would stay happy and it would help them make some Venom money and so he could keep everybody happy for his Spider-Man to stay in his universe. But that whole thing went down really weird and the fact that they did not have this like a coherent message about the only thing that people were going to ask about seemed bizarre to me. Though, I mean, in their defense, Venom is as connected to Spider-Man as Runaways is, uh, you know, Daredevil. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, and that's where, I mean, let me ask this while we're talking about this. I mean, do you guys feel like Feige is, how, how honest do you think Feige is? Because, like, they always talk about connection, and they're like, well, it's the same universe. But at the same time, we all know that it's not, you know, like, how much do you trust him when he speaks? I mean, he's he's not lying, I guess, because essentially it is the same universe. It's not all connected, you know, I think I think if we go through and we look at where Feige has made the most mistakes and what he said in interviews and even what made it through to the movies. I mean, when we look at the eight years later, they're all related to Spider-Man. Like where he had that flub about them not going back and retconning stuff or, you know, how the post uh, snap MCU is going to be that they won't go back in time or they won't. And then, you know, like in a later interview, he said, well, maybe they're going back in time. All of it, if you go and look at it, is Spider-Man related. Yeah, because they're asking about Far From Home on those ones you're talking about, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think he makes legitimate mistakes, whether he's lying or whether, like, things are getting changed on him that he has no control over. I think, um, you know, Spider-Man, he messes up. Yeah, it's clearly a different challenge for him. And 
even for someone that's as good as he are at the, he is as good as he are, as good as he is at the PR spin, like this is a challenge for him on how to manage Pascal and manage Sony in a way that keeps them happy, but in a way that also doesn't mess up what he's doing. And I think, you know, to move on to that point you made, the eight years later is another great example. I mean, he kind of hemmed and hawed around it. It's the Russos who finally told us like, oh yeah, they screwed that up. That was wrong. You know, like Feige kind of always was diplomatic about the eight years later, even though we all knew that it was clearly not right. We've talked about this before. We we need to do a full episode on it. It just takes so much homework to do right. Um, Has Feige made a mistake speaking of the eight years? Uh, he told us at some point we would get like a scroll with the, like, I don't know why it was a scroll, but like, uh, not scroll, but scroll um, of all of the timeline issues in the MCU where all the things fall in place. It's never actually come out. Uh, has Marvel been too cavalier with maybe their dates and their timeline stuff, particularly when you compare to like Lucasfilm that has like a a full calendar with like every year and every day and exactly where the events fit together. And maybe they can't do that until we have Captain Marvel since she's going back in time and filling in some dates. It's, it's about to get crazy. Is it with Avengers four? You know, I mean, the prevailing theory is that it's at least five years in the future. Or if you're a certain website, that's also calling it Avengers annihilation, that it's 20 years in the future. It's uh, it's bonker, and that's why I mean I would guess someone, maybe Kevin himself, told Jeff one time to never ever ever bring up a date ever. You know, if you want these characters to do, which you know, if you want these characters on your TV shows, don't. Because I mean, there's not a single date reference in any of the Netflix shows, is there? I mean, Shield's obviously the closest we've actually come to a TV show adhering to the movie timeline. Technically, the Netflix shows start after Avengers. I mean, because they had the incident in New York, but they don't tie in anymore after that. I mean, that could be that could be like a month after the incident. It could be years after the incident. My criticism, yeah. like, I'm impressed with Star Wars because they do have a very specific chronology and, like, people whose full-time job it is to, like, keep that chronology across all the formats they have. But they also don't live in a real world. So, like, for us, like, I watched Iron Man the other night and there's, you know, comments about MySpace, right? Like, it's just in, in the phones that they're using. Like, the fact that they live in our world makes it much harder because we know what certain reference are. Whereas, you know, in Star Wars, it's all fake years. There's no, like, nobody can go, oh, that outfit's really out of date based on Tatooine fashion of whatever. I mean, sure, there's some nerd somewhere that's worried about those things. But you know damn well someone's doing (laughs) that. But generally speaking, like, it makes it so much easier that they're in that kind of universe. Um, I think the biggest continuity stuff, uh, the, the president stuff always bothers me. Like, Obama and Hillary actually exist in the uh, television shows, but the presidents are all fictional in the TV or in the movies. You know, like, that's frustrating. But All right, did you guys have any other flaws in uh, Mr. Feige's running of things that you had come up in your mind? I like how this... We're kind of contradicting ourselves on this episode, aren't we? We just talked about 
you know, causing a dumpster fire reaction incident of ourselves. And this is like the one topic that's <laughs> most easily going to piss off a whole lot of tweeple. I guess. I mean, in the end, we I think we all think these things are insignificant. It's just something to talk about. Not all MCU movies are as good as they should be. I mean, the, the first two Thor movies were brutal. I'm not a super huge fan of the first Cap. You know, a lot of people say Age of Ultron's a misfire. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if that's something on Feige's fault or what. I will say it is peculiar, and I'm not, again, I understand where he's coming from, but he's still radio silent on the whole James Gunn deal. Yeah, I was wondering if that was going to come up. Uh, I mean, is the James Gunn situation a Feige mistake, or is it something you think that was beyond his control? Well, no, it wasn't his mistake by, you know, did did Feige stand up for him? I mean, Feige's, James Gunn reported directly to Kevin Feige, right? Why hasn't he, he hasn't said anything, I don't think. I mean, it's going to happen sooner or later. I mean, even even on the, the press tour for Captain Marvel, somebody's going to ask about it. Yeah, you would think so. I think he's going to stay away from it. I think he's going to stay away from the gun subject. I think he's going to avoid joke something. Maybe not joke, but just... I think he's going to stay as far away from saying anything on that as he can. Yeah, I I just don't think he has anything to win by it. Um, He's very good at not answering questions. So I think that he'll be asked them and he'll deflect them. That's the thing. I mean, what makes... Why does entertainment need to be any different than sports? You know, I mean, you have, like, comparing it to, like, football, at least coaches will provide you a somewhat transparent report on players, you know, right? It's not like they're like, oh, no, I'm not going to tell you what happened to Tom Brady because I don't want the other team to know what's going on in this weekend's game, right? Is that a fair enough comparison to make? Uh, You made a huge mistake by using the phrase Tom Brady because I live in New England. Okay. Belichick never says anything about anybody. But okay, that's that's the one exception in the National Football League. So that was a bad... right, right. But he he does. He never ever like. I think Brady was on the injury report with quote unquote upper body injury for like four years in a row. Okay, Every week, yeah. week in week out, okay, but was questionable with the so upper let's, body injury. Let's and compare normal. The, the the normal status quo of NFL teams, the meat and potato of the NFL teams. You know, I think the analogy still stands true. I mean, they provide at least some updates, and you have these reporters reporting on it, and teams will confirm, and t- spokespeople will confirm. Whereas, No, I'm sorry. I don't think it's a good comparison. I mean, there's just so much regulation on what is conveyed it's all triggered by the gambling industry or uh, you know sportsmanship there's no sportsmanship need to to reveal information by marvel they get to choose what they want to reveal and what questions they want to answer they owe us nothing yeah i neither do the arizona cardinals don't owe me a super bowl <laughs> i i agree with rihanna as much as gambling is the reason why sports do that like, the only reason the NFL has injury reports is because Vegas demands it. I mean, that's really it. <laughs> There's got to be prop bets on movies. I mean, not at the volume, but 
Uh, and I think some of it too is it comes down to your bosses. The NFL makes coaches talk, but I think Alan Horn and um, Bob Iger really don't like that kind of PR. I think they're very sensitive to that PR. So speaking of that PR, I said, Kevin Feige can dodge questions. Well, uh, one of the questions he's dodged continually since it happened was what happened to the inhumans. So the reason that I thought of this topic was because we just passed inhumans day. Uh, the day when inhumans was originally scheduled to come out in theaters. And this is still my number one complaint about Feige. Cause he really, uh, you know, asked about honesty I think he's been really good to fans. I think he's kept his word. And when he says they're going to do something, they do it. I love that when Marvel puts out a slate of films, you don't doubt if those films are going to be made, they get made. I mean, Ant-Man took forever, but they made the Ant-Man movie that they said that they were going to deliver it, changed directors, all that stuff. But they said, we're going to do it. And they did it. Uh, And almost everything that Marvel has said they were going to produce eventually came out. Inhumans is the one place I just am so frustrated. Like you can find quotes of Feige saying, oh, it's definitely going to happen. We're pushing it back a little bit, but it's going to be there. And then last year, I don't know if you guys remember this. He said something really weird. Like, well, it's on TV now, but I think it still could happen in phase four. I think they replaced it with Eternals is frankly what they did. But like as a fan of that property, it's the one thing that still bothers me about Feige is he kept giving these answers of like, Oh, it's going to happen. We just pushed it back. It wasn't the right time. We love the property. We just wanted to develop it a little more. And then they gave it away to Jeff Loeb. It got ran into the ground and nothing ever happened with it. And it's my one big complaint with Feige is that they announced that movie. They told me it was coming. He kept reassuring me that it would come. I say me as if he's speaking to me directly through the computer, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, he kept saying it would happen and it never happened. And that is my major frustration because Marvel has been so good about actually producing what they've said they'd produce. Um, I just think that was a mistake. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit kind of in that vein. They did make the big phase three slate announcement and then they had to make some adjustments as time went on. Uh, in retrospect, was that a mistake or do you think they did the right thing by revealing all of those movies all those years ago? I mean, they were able to stick pretty closely to it. It's not like when DC announces a slate. Um, and it it was fun to know what was coming. I don't know. I mean, it did upset you a lot by not getting your Inhumans. You brought up a uh, good point with Ant-Man. How do you mess up doing a movie with Edgar Wright? I mean, how? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, you would think. I mean, Edgar Wright's got to do an MCU movie at some point. I mean, he he looks like their kind of director. I mean, he has a Taika Waititi kind of deal to him, right? Doing smaller budget. Yeah. things that fans really like and then giving the chance for the bigger universe it would seem like right would be a great fit for them i do think it's interesting uh, michael t ford is um in the live chat and his complaint um on feige and i think it's a good one is that the universe was just really low on diversity early on that you know it took a really long time in marvel before we had anything but like as we've teased before white dudes named chris as superheroes in their universe. 
And I think it plays in a lot to that big phase three announcements that they, that they made is they gone through two phases where it was like Captain America, Iron Man, Thor. And people kept saying, where's our new characters? Where's the diversity? When are you going to expand this? When are we going to get to other comics? And I think what they were able to do is by making that big announcement, they threw out like Black Panther is coming. Captain Marvel is coming. And it, it allowed them to like make an announcement that appeased the criticism on that while also not doing anything to actually fix the criticism for four years. Right. Like this is way, I forget when it was, it was way back, but like 2013 or 2012 where they're like, you're right. We need to make a black Panther movie in four years. And it was, um, I mean, it was, it was kind of brilliant, but I think it's part of the reason they announced so many of those movies is to allay the fears that they were just going to keep bumping out Iron Man four five, six and seven. Um, I think that's that's part of the way that that ended up happening. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the mailbag. Uh, as you guys mentioned on Twitter, Mark Turner is continuing to do very good work cataloging all the various voices on the show. Uh, we had a little disagreement this week about whether Rhiannon's drunk mom voice was a drunk mom voice or just Rhiannon's voice, which I thought was very humorous. Uh, Dave on the website... Uh, was talking about, I mentioned last week that all the Disney streaming shows were characters that had been snapped and he was hypothesizing, wouldn't it be interesting if they created like a pocket universe that's like in the soul gem. And the reason that all these shows are those characters is because those people are not in the MCU. They're in the like soul world, uh, side world, which I don't think they're going to do, but is a very interesting uh, idea, I think. Gee, if only one had said their pitch on a multiverse. Well, yes, they were interacting with that as well. I didn't use all the comments, but I think people were very interested in your idea of a multiverse. No, I, no, I'm just saying that what you just said, it's kind of like a multiverse of sorts. You know, if they're doing a... If the only... Well, I mean, the Vision's going to be on one of those shows, so the logic's not all there. But I can smell what they're stepping in. Well, and I mean, Loki wasn't snapped. Well, he was nearly snapped in half. I heard another podcast say uh, he died by a snap, too. It just happened to be his neck. So, uh, Preto on the website uh, had a big Inhumans banner and asked if we all enjoyed seeing it last week. That was that Inhumans banner with the November 2nd, 2018 tag. Thanks a lot, man. Yes. Really appreciate that. Would you get mad if I said that was me posting that? It'd be weird if you had had that fake identity for a long time. This is the Loghorn Clegghorn uh, Avatar guy. Oh, I thought. Oh, I thought he was a new commenter. They were a new commenter. I didn't know. Okay, my bad. Never mind. I think he's a way back to MCU Exchange guy that hasn't just hasn't posted in a long time. So. I mean, you could be doing the Fisk thing and setting up long, long term. Uh situations i'm in i'm in the end game now <laughs> yeah love waffle yeah. uh we were talking about phase four pitches his phase four pitches a fantastic four movie that doesn't suck so uh very very good good idea i'm with you uh over on youtube we have been putting these things up on youtube uh indie film productions uh wants to see uh tv respond to the snap somehow and he's pitched that he thinks uh, season six of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
would be really interesting if the whole season was just about um, the agents of shield responding to the snap and like the world in chaos. And they've got to pull in people to help them deal with the chaos. Uh, I think that's interesting, but I think season six is going to be them in space searching for Leo Fitz's currently existent self, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. And uh, Michael T Ford, the third on Twitter this week, uh, was asking um, when we talked about multiverse, we had an interesting conversation on Twitter about whether multiverse reduces the stakes of the movies. Um, it makes them less important because they're inside universes. And I think it's an interesting question. We talked a little bit about Logan and how it didn't seem to hurt Logan. So uh, also in the live chat, Michael asked uh, if I eventually got in humans in a fantastic four movie, would that count? Uh, yeah, I'd love a real movie version of the Inhumans. I don't care how it comes. Fantastic four, whatever. That would be incredible. Um, even if it's not a movie, I just want to see them on the big screen and done right. So that'd be great. Anything else this week, guys, as we wrap up the pod. All right. Um, let's give you guys a little schedule information. We're going to take a week off at Thanksgiving. So, uh, we were talking, this episode's going to hit on the 11th of November. There'll be another episode on the 18th. I think we're going to maybe do a deep dive into Fox if nothing else happens. We'll be off on uh, the 25th of November. And then we'll have three more episodes to end out the year, the 2nd, the 9th, and the 16th. Um, our big end of year wrap will probably be on the 9th because the 16th we'll talk about Into the Spider-Verse. And probably Runaways. We think the embargo's up by then. So that's what's coming up. And I lost my notes. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can interact with us a lot of ways. Send us a message on Twitter via at Marvel News Desk. You can also communicate with us via our MarvelNewsDesk.com post each week. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to give us a dollar a month over at Patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. Uh, you'll get access to our special MCU film ranking episode that's available only to our Patreon supporters as well as early access to some of our YouTube videos. Uh, there will be also a special uh, holiday edition of the podcast that will be only for Patreon subscribers as we do every year. Uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk and subscribe to our YouTube channel at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. You can help the show be more visible to others if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Number one most thing you do, number one most important thing you do, however, every week is you listen and you tell your friends, and we're very thankful for it. Thanks to Tim Cox for our logo. He's on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. You can find him on a variety of social media platforms at The Skull School. That does it for now, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>